Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to explore another movie. And as promised, that movie is When Harry Met Sally. And I will be having this conversation with, as always, Father Mike. Father Mike, great to have you with me this evening. Hey, thank you, Joe. And uh, a returning guest, because she has joined me, I think, on one other occasion, I have the other Jackie, my sister-in-law, Jackie, coming in by way of phone from Turlock, California. So, Jackie, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me, Joe. So, Jackie, we are having this conversation not only because it was requested by someone out there, I think in Kansas, but you had sent me a text and said, hey, uh, Joe, we should talk about this movie. A lot of people want to focus on one thing, but there's something else to discuss. And I thought, okay, so let's have the conversation. And I'd love to have you join me. And you were excited. So, we're excited to be talking about uh, When Harry Met Sally. Now, I am going to throw out a disclaimer. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch the cable version, I think, because <laughs> it had been a long time since I watched this movie, and I watched it again last night, and um, there's a few expletives, and it certainly is a movie that deals with um, sexual tension. It's not a movie that shows anything explicit. Of course, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't carry a movie if it had anything like that, but certainly... That drives uh, some of the movie. And uh, so with that, When Harry Met Sally is a movie about, uh, one could say, two careerists, where in 1977, Harry Burns, of course, played by Billy Crystal, and Sally Albright, played by Meg Ryan, happened to meet each other upon graduating from college. And you could make the argument that in their drive from Chicago to New York, this 18-hour drive, Mm, a scene that probably lasts for about 10 minutes, you have a microcosm of the whole movie as we are introduced to the film's main question, which is, namely, if we're going to speak to it plainly, is whether or not a man and a woman can be mere friends or if that sexual tension makes such an association impossible. So over the next decade or so, and I think it's, what, Jackie, 12 years, uh, they continue to encounter each other in a variety of circumstances, And the relationship grows more and more serious. And as they're drawn closer together, of course, the issue of the main question keeps popping up, forcing them to deal with it in the end, which, as we were talking, Jackie, and as Father Mike and I were talking in our pregame huddle over at the coffee shop, that question just doesn't deal with that sexual tension, but also also in a much deeper way within the context of light and dark, death and life at one point. I know you had mentioned this in our conversation, Jackie. Uh, Sally Albright, again played by Meg Ryan, calls, calls Harry the angel of death. You know? mm. so, you know, <laughs> all throughout this movie, you have these images uh, kind of cast upon these characters. And to some extent, the relationship between the two kind of mature and grow in those two images uh, between light and dark and, and death and life. Yeah, I think that... You know, everyone wants to talk about the main, you know, can men and women ever be friends? But for me, this movie is more about Harry's journey 
mm-hmm. into the light, into a life that he can actually live instead of being immersed in darkness and death. And, um, you know, <clears throat> you spoke about that initial conversation and the drive from Chicago to New York, and really, you do, you look at that first conversation they have, and it's essentially the entire movie. They're, they're revealing to you what this whole story is going to be about. And, um, you know, Harry basically says to Sally, whose name is Sally Albright, you know, so she's this character who throughout the movie is surrounded by images of light and hope and joy. And, you know, her apartment is sunny, her, you know, decor is floral. So she's this very happy person. And Harry, whose last name is Burns, is this brooding, dark, cynical man. And he says to her, tell me the story of your life. And she said, well, you know, there's nothing to tell yet. That's why I'm going to New York. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he tells her, what if nothing happens? What if you die alone and you never become anything? And then, you know, Sally says, oh, I heard you have a dark side. And he begins telling her all about his dark side. He's, you know, reveling in his darkness and, you know, proves his darkness by saying, I read the last page of a book, you know, (laughs) before I finish it so that when I die, I know how it'll end. And, basically saying, you know, when when it all hits the fan, he's going to be the one prepared. And then Sally says, but in the meantime, you'll ruin your whole life waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that really just sets up what this movie is about. It's about a man who is on the defensive throughout the entire movie of intimacy, a fear of love, a fear of joy, a fear of commitment, of truly just living and this whole, you know, throughout the entire movie, <clears throat> there's all these images that support that, you know. I mean, even his apartment, which is dark and sparse, and there's not a lot in it. And you'll see images of him just brooding and tossing cards into a hat as he's brooding about um, his dating life. Or, you know, he t- at one point he shares with Sally that, you know, a great way to look for an apartment is to read the obituary, (laughs) you know, (laughs) another image of death where, you know, uh, looking for a place to live by piggybacking off somebody who's just died. Um, You know, I mean, it's just, it's perpetual throughout the entire movie that Harry's just immersed in, in death and darkness. Um, You know, and it's so nice to see his progression throughout the whole movie. And when he finally comes to that realization of what it it means to live and um you know in a in a movie where all he's done is talk about death his very you know second to last line of the movie is when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible and it's just it's it's a beautiful progression to watch and and there's so much that goes into it as well and sally has her own progression you know, that's beautiful to watch as well, one of realization. It's, you know, we were talking, when we were talking yesterday, Jackie, you had made the point about how you're a big fan of Nora Ephron, and after our conversation, I went to do some research on her and and come to find out that this movie is really about the relationship between Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner, and that they, yeah. not, not, not that they had um, or shared intimacy in that way, but this movie really had a lot to do with uh, you know, their own relationship. And there were not very many details that were lost on that woman, Nora Ephron, that really stood out to me. And so 
I think it's it's interesting to note for our listening audience that this is a movie that is kind of an outward growth of a very real relationship as it relates to how we look at relationships, but maybe, as you said, how we progress, how we grow in the light of how we see the world out from you know, the dark or out from the light. For me, I don't see that uh, this story of progression from darkness to light as, as not being part and parcel of the initial question. Um, because, you know, can men or women be friends, I think, is ultimately to ask, in all of his brooding and everything else, is not sexuality a great obstacle mm-hmm. to relationship and to freedom? Is not sexuality a, a big problem? And uh, I, in that sense, I think movies like this that have that uh, kind of dominant theme of the uh, sexual comedy, it uh, it speaks to the culture that, that does, to a certain degree, is on this uh hopefully journey towards some kind of progression or towards a, a greater light in this area. We, I think we live in a culture that's deeply engaged by this kind of humor because it speaks to a, kind of a, a fundamental tension for everyone. You know, what do I, how do I grow in terms of relationship and, and um, you know, all of the sexual tensions that are, that are inherent in our life? To me, I, the question, um, isn't this a big problem? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think speaks speaks to the tension of the culture. We talked, uh, Joe, about, um, you know, particularly in American culture, uh, sexuality is a funny thing because on the one hand, we, we want to claim this uh, great peace with it and, and a great freedom and liberation, and we're not ashamed. And on the other hand, uh, sexuality in, in this culture is so compulsive and shame-based. Uh, so I, I do see uh, in that... Uh, this kind of journey of development and uh, moving away from shame and darkness and brooding uh, towards, let's call it light and, and a real, uh, maybe freedom isn't the right word to use in terms of sexuality, but uh, integration. And you see that development in the course of the story, the man who was uh, totally uh, trapped in, in, a, in a kind of a relationship experience that involved uh, really selfishness toward a real uh, yearning to give of his life to somebody. So, so to me, I, I see that journey uh, on a couple of levels, and, and I do see the, the question that he poses as engaging a question for the culture as people, especially when they're young, you look at their own lives and ask, man, is this not a problem for me? Yeah. Yeah, Father Mike, I really think that you hit the nail on the head with the idea that Nora Ephron is speaking to the culture. Hmm. And I think we see that really clearly in Sally's journey, who... You know, she's somebody who has this instinctual, inherent knowledge of who she is and what she wants, but she's hitting up against this culture mm. that's telling her that she has too high of standards, that she's, uh, she shouldn't want what she wants. She should be cool about um, these relationships that lack intimacy and that don't go anywhere. Um, she's in a long-term relationship with a man, and it's supposed to be spontaneous and free, and marriage would just ruin it all. But then, you know, when she's playing a game with a child, the game I Spy, and the child says, I spy a family, Mm. Sally has this very somatic response to that and begins to cry and realizes, I do want to get married, I do Mm -hmm. want a family, and I need to move on and move out of this. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, you know, Harry, at one point, they're having an exchange, and Harry tells Sally that she's high maintenance, as if it's a bad thing, you yeah. know, and, and and throughout the movie, we see this, you know, <laughs> Sally and the way she orders food from a restaurant, mm. 
And it, I mean, some of the funniest parts of the movie are, are Sally in a restaurant trying to <laughs> order food the yeah. way she wants it. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> and she says, I, I want it the way I want it. And he said, yeah, see, high maintenance. <laughs> you know, and, and she's just a little bit baffled by that. Like, well, what's wrong with wanting things the way I want it? And she's experienced so much resistance, even from her friends, you know, um, her, her two girlfriends, one of whom is in a marriage, and it's implied that it's a little stale. And her other friend, Marie, who's having an adulterous affair and, um, you know, trying to push her towards where you got to get married, you know, um, and, and just it, this sense of lowering her standards in order to achieve some kind of cultural benchmark that, mm-hmm. you know, she's supposed to have hit at this point in her life. Mm-hmm. And, you can see her just trying to maneuver in this world where she doesn't fit in. And that's why, I mean, I just, I love the character of Sally because, you know, as you watch her try to grapple with her own, um, her own desires and her own longing for true intimacy, true relationship, the whole package, the friendship, the intimacy, the marriage, the family, she wants it all. And at the end, Harry's trying to revert back to what they always had, and she says, I can't do this anymore. I am not your consolation prize. Mm. And for me, that's just the boom of the movie, because she she asserts her worth as a woman, you know, in, in, in the face of this culture that's telling her what the modern woman is supposed to look like and supposed to want. You know, she stands up and says, no, I know what I want. And it's just a beautiful moment in the movie for me. Oh, I think that's such a powerful a read on her character as a, as a confrontation um, in terms of the culture. And really, as you said so beautifully, to me, it just it poses the question, uh, can we meaningfully speak of intimacy in the middle of all of this? Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. You, you know, as, as uh, wonderful as our, our culture is and, and, and all that, um, you know, we can speak of and value as, uh, as a nation, let's say, uh, there is something very adolescent about uh, how we approach relationships and sexuality. You use such a great line there uh, in terms of raising the standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I was just saying, Jackie, how nothing is missed on Nora Ephron. Well, in a very powerful way, you know, there in the beginning of the movie, she drops off Harry at uh, the south face of the Washington Square Arch, right? Well, when does Harry come to realize that Sally's the one, you know, he, she's the one that he wants to spend the rest of his life with, but at the south face of the Washington Square Arch. Now, I've got to believe on some level that Nora Ephron knows that the inscription on the top of that square reads from George Washington, right, because it's the George Washington Square Arch, it's where he was inaugurated as president, reads, let us raise a standard to which the wise and the honest can repair the event is in the hand of God. So let us raise a standard. Some of our discussion, if not the brunt of our discussion, is about this elevation of standard. And here, this movie is bookended with this icon of the Washington Square Arch, which, which reads this very famous line. I've got to believe that that was on Nor Ephron's radar. And if it wasn't, that is a happy coincidence you know, oh, to yeah. our discussion. Yeah. Well, Nora Ephron, I mean, in all of her movies, New York City is a character in the movies. Mm-hmm. And she, you, can, you can see the love of New York just coming out of her films with, um, you know, the local restaurants 
um, they eat at and the parks they walk through and New York's changing seasons. And I mean, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if her inclusion of the Washington Square Arch was intentional and she knew exactly what it said. <laughs> well, Jackie, you talk there about the changing of seasons. And if there was another theme or topic or point that jumped out to me is, well, just not the change of seasons, but the passage of time. Time passing really is an opportune way to enhance a mov- uh, movie's view factor. I think we would all agree on that. And I thought this movie did a powerful job of using, as you speak to it, the parks, the seasons, uh, sound, symbols, hairstyles, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. that was uh, striking. Well, yeah, clo- clothing. All of that is communicating the passage of time. But its intention is clear, right? Five years later, Harry's walking by Sally and her boyfriend, Joe, and is like, oh, wait, don't I know you? And, and don't I know you? And, you know, six years later, they see each other in a library. Something is going on there that just not as years have passed by and they've gotten older, but the conversation develops. We're talking about, essentially, can one be friends without the sexual tension? the friendship begins to develop over time. And I thought the movie did a good job of communicating that. Yeah, I think also, um, you know, you bring up where they sit in the bookstore, which one of the things that popped out to me when I watched the movie over the weekend again was, you know, Marie notices Harry and approaches Sally and says, there's a man staring at you from personal growth. And just that <laughs> line, personal you growth. Know, he's, in, he's in personal growth right now. And, <laughs> There's just so many little cues that Nora, off, Nora Ephron leaves for the audience of what's going on. Yeah, that's movie. great. That's, that's, that's the first line after the six years later. I, I like that. I, I actually yeah. missed that. That's yeah, a, me that's too. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very clever. <laughs> because it very much speaks to what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Which is the, the development of this you know, relationship which comes out of a, a personal growth. You know, and, and I right. think to part of the, and, and we've made this comment before to, to bring it back to our overarching vision for the program, the world stage and, and humanity's need to reflect upon itself on the stage from a safe distance. I think that a lot of the, you know, some of the crudeness or some of the language or some of the humor is kind of a safe way for us to look at ourselves with a critical eye and acknowledge uh, the need to grow, the need to set a higher standard and to strive for a, a deeper kind of intimacy. And I think the... Uh, the crudeness of it, sometimes the language, the, the funniness, the sexual tension allows us to, to enjoy uh, that critical reflection and also to acknowledge in kind of a warm and tender way in the end uh, where our values are or are tending uh, or are desiring to be. Father Mike, I agree because I think, you know, one of the reasons that When Harry Met Sally is the icon for the romantic comedy at this mm-hmm. point is because it's very authentic. Hmm. There are no gimmicks. There's no plot twist or manufactured event that comes in to disrupt the lives of the characters. These are very real characters. You know, as Joe mentioned, Sally and Harry are based on Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner. Um, We know people like Marie. We know people like Jess. We know people like Joe, Sally's 
ex-boyfriend. You're not getting yourself in trouble, are you, Jackie, right now with any of your friends? (laughs) Be careful, be careful. No, 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 no. no. She's really calling people out. (laughs) No, just... Go ahead. We know people people who are stuck in relationships that aren't good for them. We know people who are immersed so much in their work as a way of keeping intimacy at arm's length. We know people who have been hurt and fear intimacy and run away from it. You know, these are very authentic characters and the story itself, it's really not very complicated. It's, Mm. it's a progression of 12 years in the lives of two modern day. Well, at that point, modern day New Yorkers. And, um, and I think that that's what makes this movie so special. And Mm. that's what makes it resonate so strongly with people because um, it, it does feel authentic. It feels like this is something that's really going on in our culture and that we can look at. Um, you know, one of the big moments in the movie for me is, you know, when Harry and Sally have their big fight at Marie and Jess's wedding. And, um, you know, he's telling her, why can't we get past this? You know, after they had been intimate and, um, and he essentially runs out on her out of fear and she's, devastated and hurt by this and she says you act like it didn't mean anything and he said why why it does why does it have to mean everything and she said because it does Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i love that it's not this like profound eloquent statement it's just because it does you know And, and we know that we inherently as a viewing audience knows what she means when she says that and then you know, he's kind of spewing out more excuses and more reasons, in my opinion, as a way of just hurting her and pushing her further away because he just can't handle the intensity of the intimacy that they have shared. And she just slaps him yeah. upside the head and the camera just stays on his face for a couple of seconds. And that's when his trajectory reverses you know, in the movie, and he realizes, oh, what have I done? That's when he begins groveling, that's when he begins asking for forgiveness, but, you know, this this very profound, powerful moment where she physically has to slap sense into Mm. him, Mm. you know, it's just, the whole movie just feels very real, very practical, very physical, um, and and it's just one of my favorite aspects of Mm. it. You know, Jackie, that that's such a great point, and I didn't uh, really articulate that to myself until you mentioned it. That it, it is very easy to see ourselves in this in this movie and in these people. You know, what what struck me as kind of funny and enjoyable, but but very resonant and real is, uh, you know, they're driving back from college, and, they, and he gets dropped off at the ark, and he says, "Well, have a nice life." Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, and, and none of us ever really says that. But you know, I I immediately I have thought of moments when I say, you know, that's true. I mean, you know that there are these there are these uh, impasses where we where we don't ever really acknowledge it the way they acknowledge it. That you know that this is uh, while it ends up not being the end of the road in the story, um, that just kind of I had to laugh at that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's something so true about it. This is what we never say, but some somehow inside we acknowledge. Uh, when I get out of the car, this is over. Mm. You know, Jackie, I want to go back to that slap. And bring this within the context of the Christian tradition a little bit, because we all know the the verse, turn the other cheek. But I think what many of us miss is that to turn the other cheek literally means, you know, to be slapped and to turn. So if you've been slapped, 
And if you're turning, that means you're turning back to the person and addressing the reason why you've been slapped. And in many ways, that really is the beginning of the Christian life. So you talk about Harry, you know, at that point, turning his head, if you will, in that very dramatic way, and beginning to ask new questions. And out from those new questions come his new beginnings. It's very much resonant with the Christian life. Hmm. You know, when we turn the other cheek, what we're doing is addressing the issue at hand. We're no longer looking away, but looking squarely at the issue at hand. And that new question that we ask when we do that is our new beginning. Hmm. And I love the fact that you brought that out because it does really highlight such an important and really quintessential aspect to uh, the Christian faith and life. Jackie, I'm looking up at the clock and somehow, some way, <laughs> we're all but out of time. This went by <laughs> way, way too fast. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. You've already shared so much with our listening audience, and I do appreciate the gift of your time. Um, you've well, really, this was enjoyable yeah. for me. It's really one of my favorite movies, and I, I'm happy to be able to talk about it in a way that maybe sheds some light on some of the the, the underlying themes that we can take hope from or, you know, just really see elements of our faith and our value of life and love in the movie. Amen. Amen. Our faith is very real. As you use that word, Jackie, it's very practical. Yes, you know, the saints have reminded us we need to have our head in the clouds sometimes. We usually say we need to get our head out of the clouds, but sometimes we need to have it in the clouds. But it also does need to be um, present to the person present to those around us, uh, because, you know, as St. Augustine says, life is a struggle in grace, and that struggle happens in a very concrete way in our relationship. So again, just thank you for what you've shared, Jackie. I don't know, Father Mike, if you have any uh, closing thoughts? No, just uh, just Jackie, that is great to have you on with us. It's great to meet you from a distance, and yeah. thanks for being yeah, with thank us. Thank you. You too, Father Mike. You know, guys, we say, oh, a movie like this, it's so funny because it's so true. Well, if it's so true, then we should regard the truth in it and maybe draw something from it. When I was watching this movie, I did find myself laughing time and time again and saying to myself, gosh, this is so funny because it's so true, which to some extent, I think Jackie brings us back to the conversation we had yesterday in our discussion on Flannery O'Connor, when Flannery O'Connor essentially says, every good storyteller speaks honestly. Consequently, what is inherent in every good story speaks to a particular truth. And when we begin to, again, regard this truth for what it is, a real truth, then we can begin to see a movie like this as, yeah, actually having redemptive value. A, a movie where we can take a step back, and as you spoke to it, Father Mike, in a safe place, look at this movie and say, you want to know what? There's something going on in this movie that I can draw from that I can pull out and actually integrate into my own life, even if it is something as simple as personal growth. Realizing maybe as a man that I need to grow in a particular area, that maybe I, I'm, I'm too pessimistic or I'm too cynical. Right? So yes, this movie does offer, I think, something for us, and it only can to the extent that we allow it to. So all good stuff, guys. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, you are the Lord of all of our relationships, of all of our stories, of all of our time. We ask for your blessing, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.